Thank you, Wayne. <clears throat> All week, it's been a great week. I walk in here and my voice goes crazy. Um, that's okay. We had a great time. We had a good trip. We got to see all the doctors in America. <clears throat> they, they, didn't, they weren't able to help us do much, but they were help, able to help, so we're, they're working. They still think I'm crazy, and hey, we're not voting on that. <clears throat> but we did have a good time, and we, one of the exciting things was last Monday night, we got home. We were so excited to be here. We were so excited to make the drive from Peoria on that really smooth road all the way to Princeton and just say, yes, we're home. We're so thankful to be here. So We got home, and all the fire alarms in our, well, not all of them, but several of the smoke alarms in the apartment were going off. We don't have a clue how long they've been going off. <clears throat> So I'm on the, I get in the back in the car and go down to Beck's to try to find some nine volts and <laughs> welcome home. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. So today I want to talk about a start a, a series on the Holy Spirit. And I said, uh, you can see the title there, Do or Don't Ghost. I use the word ghost because in the old King James, that's what they referred to him as the uh, Holy Ghost. Ghost for me is a different word. It's I just uh, grew up in an era where ghosts were ghosts, and Holy Spirit was more than that. I hope and I know. But the thing is, on the do or don't, and what I want to find, and what I want you to see in the next few weeks is that the Holy Spirit did not come to be a don't spirit. The Holy Spirit came to be a do spirit. He came so that he would, we would have the power of God, the resurrection power of God. He came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. He came that we would do the things of the Spirit and walk in the ways of the Spirit and not do the things of the flesh or the world. Why is it important in my mind to hear about the Holy Spirit now? Because first... I think we spend time uh, talking about a lot of things, but we don't spend a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit. And I think in our next couple of weeks, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit, who is a part of the Trinity of Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, deserves not to be neglected. He deserves to be exalted and worshiped and praised. We preachers sometimes uh, don't give enough information or communicate freely enough about the Holy Spirit. And not in this group, because I know this group is a bunch of Bible scholars, and I know that you're all tuned in, but some people have a shallow understanding of the Holy Spirit. And what that leads to, uh, it, it results in the fact that sometimes we don't really understand, so we create an emotion to help us understand. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to regenerate us and enliven us and make us exciting. So we do all kinds of crazy things, some which are good, some which may be weird. But And it, it just drives us to a place away from this Holy Spirit instead of to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, uh, His oversight, His oversight is to help us in salvation, help us in regeneration, Help us in sanctification. 
and in preparation for glorification. That's the steps. It's easy. here. Here's your theology lesson for this morning. You get saved and the Holy Spirit regenerates you, which Titus 3, 5 mentions very clearly. Then you start working through um, regeneration. And we start to see things change in our lives. We start to think things happen in our lives. And we're experiencing growth, which is called sanctification. We're set apart by God, by the power of the Holy Spirit to be better. Some of you are failing, but that's okay. I'm just kidding. We're all on on a journey. It's just like Wayne prayed. We're on the journey. And so we go through regeneration, sanctification, and ultimately one day, guess what? We're going to step through the doorway of heaven into the arms of Jesus Christ and be glorified. That's the process. Regeneration is something that happens in one moment. And we're regenerated, we're renewed. As Jesus said, we're born of the water and born of the Spirit, and we're now Christ's children. I get so excited about this. And then we start living a life, and we do things, and we can talk about sanctification, and we will, and we talk about pruning, and we will, and we talk about discipline, and we will. Because when God is working on something, he wants it to be the best. Did you ever see God as a refiner? And a refiner fire, and he picks up a little fellow like me, and he says, Corbett, you're <laughs> going to take a little heat here. And he does put the heat on. And so various times in our life, we come to places where the fire is hotter. Sometimes it's not as hot. Sometimes we miss the fire because it's not there. Doesn't mean he's not working. If you're not glorified, you're still being sanctified. He's working in it. If you're, and I'm just going to use an illustration from Mr. and Ms. Peterson, so they'll forgive me, of course, but if your heater goes out in the middle of the winter, God is still working. Amen. That's why we like to say the word amen, because we're going to say that's Amen. God is still working. If your car breaks down someplace that you didn't expect it to, God is still working. If your sewing machine goes on the fritz, amen? Absolutely. And Gary Moreland's got a welding machine. He'll help you fix it. The role of the Spirit is so important. And I pass pass out a little guide, some of the... People had guides at the front and the back door. If you didn't get one, we have some more copies up here. So that I didn't have to teach a seminary class, which I could do if you wanted me to, on the Holy Spirit. I gave you a guide to study some things about the Holy Spirit. And you can do that, and then you can come and ask me, where did I get that? And we can talk about it. We often forget the Holy Spirit when we talk about the gospel. We come through Christmas, we come through Easter. He's just there everywhere, everywhere. And I think sometimes we, we uh, fall into the trap of referring to the Holy Spirit in an impersonal way. And part of that is what we see in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they had a different relationship with the old Holy Spirit than we do. That's the way God orchestrated it. 
he might visit him, but he didn't stay with him, and he they didn't call him, and he didn't call their bodies his temple. So I guess the question is, what makes our relationship so different from the Old Testament saints? The first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible is Genesis chapter one, verse two. And the world was formless and void. Words that talk about chaos and darkness and abyss and abyss and different things. But the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. First time. And the last time he's mentioned in the Word of God is the fifth verse from the end of the book of Revelation where the Holy Spirit and the bride say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. The Holy Spirit was there at the beginning when it was a mess. He's going to be there at the end when they're going to clean up the mess. He's been there in between, different times, different things. He's been involved in Genesis. It says in Holy, uh, Genesis chapter 1, let me just read that. I'm getting ahead of you, Jason, so try to catch it. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then Genesis 6, verse 3 then the Lord said, this is the part just before the ark, or not the ark, this is, yeah, this is the part just before the flood. My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The spirit was there. The Spirit was not going to tolerate the total absence of morality, the total absence of reverence for God. Job 26, and I love Job if you want to talk about the Spirit. Job says in verse 13 of chapter 26, by his breath, the ruach, which is the word that the Old Testament uses for spirit, by his breath, the heavens are cleared. His hands has pierced the fleeing serpent. Essentially, the picture is this. God uses the Holy Spirit to clean and to destroy everything that stands against God. Have you thought about that? When you think about the Spirit, are those things that come to your mind? Job 27 says, The Spirit of God has the breath in the nostrils, as the ruach of the life-giving thing. It says, For as long as life is in me, and the breath of God is in my nostrils, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And you say, well, that conflicts a little bit with what we read in John, in John chapter 1, verse 3. No, the Spirit of God and the Son of God are one and the same in a sense. They're manifest in different ways. But the Spirit of God breathes in us. He gives us life. And as long as he's got this breath in my nostrils, it's because the Almighty God gives us In the Old Testament, there's, I didn't do a lot of verses on this, but I'll just tell you about it. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was a ma majestic revealer of truth. Now, if you know your Old Testament, think about this. How did Abraham know when he came back from saving Lot that he was to give a tithe to Melchizedek? How did Cain and Abel know they would bring a sacrifice 
to God? Who revealed those truths to him? Who revealed the importance of those things? How about, <laughs> there's other places, but you know what they are. Certain things happen in the Old Testament we don't understand because we don't know the background. All of a sudden, here's somebody giving a, a, an offering, somebody giving a tithe, somebody giving a tenth. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings knowledge and insight. The Holy Spirit is a revealer of truth. And I just want to give a few verses to say, from Abraham to Christ, actually from Adam to Christ, there was no long-term relationship with the Holy Spirit. Louis Schaefer says in his volume, he writes a, a volume about that thick, just on the Holy Spirit. Soteri, it's called a pneumatology. He says, there is no provision or promise of, a, of abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of an Old Testament saint. An Old Testament saint never thought never expected, never depended upon having the Holy Spirit in them forever like we can. If they got power from the Holy Spirit, it was a blessing from God, but it wasn't for eternity in that way. And the Holy Spirit came and went as He pleased. Schaefer adds, it still stands as a characteristic of that age before Christ. As a rule, men did not expect to receive the Holy Spirit by asking for him. Nehemiah, who had a lot of faith in God, who did a lot of things for God, who went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, says this about the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20 and 30. You gave your good spirit to instruct the people. Your manna you did not withhold from their mouth, and you gave them water for their thirst. However, you bore them with them for many years and admonished them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the land. Fearful. God is amazing. And he, the writer to Hebrews says it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We do that because we don't rely on the Holy Spirit, but we have a new, a new ability to have the Holy Spirit. Psalm 51.11, David says in that beautiful psalm, Do not cast me away from your presence, O Lord. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David knew that he had been Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered. And David knew that he had made a mistake big time. Bathsheba, killing her Uriah, other things that he had done, not superintending his family. And what could he do? He just got down on his knees and said, Lord, please, please, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. There was no expectation that the Holy Spirit was an eternal gift. And I'm going to give you some verses. I'm just, I'm just asking you to write these down if you would. Isaiah chapter 63. Um, start at verse 9 and read to the end of the chapter. So how do we get to the place where we believe that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, 
How do we get to the place where we are today? If you call upon the name of the Lord, we say and we teach, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. And he, I don't want to get too far ahead, but he's going to live with you forever. So you better start tidying up the shack because the Holy Spirit is there. He's going to be with us forever. And the change in the relationship didn't come about because we deserved it. The change in the relationship came about because God loves us. And he knew we, if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're in deep weeds. We're in trouble. John, Jesus, remember, said to Nicodemus, we talked about this. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Romans 8, right? He who walks in the flesh does not walk according to the Spirit. And if you don't walk according to the Spirit, you're not pleasing God. And if you're not walking according to the Spirit, you're probably not saved. I mean, just take it to the bank. Eternity is not secure for you. These are the things that I just, if you take something, take something of this, go home, study it, read it, say, what is he talking about? And one of the crucial, the most crucial verses in all the New Testament, and there's lots of verses that speak about the Spirit. There's lots of verses in the Old Testament that speak about the Spirit. Uh, everybody knows Isaiah 30, 21, right? Isaiah 30, 21. So then your ear will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or to the left. That's the Spirit of God speaking to us. Sometimes we just get in such a big hurry, the wind is blowing and we're moving so fast, we can't hear it. Jesus, God said, cease striving. Stop. Slow down. Know that I am God. The Spirit of God. But a key passage in the New Testament is found in Luke chapter 11. If you want to just turn there with me. You probably haven't heard this passage used in this way. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 9. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's been talking to them about prayer. He's been talking to them about a number of things. He's been talking about caring for one another. In verse 9 he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give your good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father, here's the point, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Ask, seek, and we make that a, sometimes we make that a, a, a recipe for getting 
communion with God. Ask, seek, knock. He'll answer. We keep knocking. He'll answer. We keep seeking. Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is holy and righteous and not evil, doesn't have a mean bone in his body, will give you the Holy Spirit. The greatest gift. The greatest gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. The deal is we have to be willing to give everything up. When I ask, I have to be willing to set everything aside. I have to set me aside. I have to set my wife and family aside. I have to set my job aside, my career, my profession aside. I have to stand there and say, nothing in my hand I bring. Just me, Jesus. And I'm willing to endure whatever you want. Because I'm praying the prayer that never fails. Your will be done. Lord, your will be done. I'm asking in my life, Lord, be glorified. You know the songs. You know the words. You know how to live it if you get up in the morning and you say right then, today, Lord, whatever you ask. Today, Lord, wherever you direct. Today, Lord, no matter what. Today, Lord. Ask, seek, and knock. I can't do it if I'm not willing to just yield in every aspect of my life. He wants me to lay down all my self-importance, my arrogance, all the items I think are so significant. And he says, Corbett, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and that I dwell in you? How do I respond to that indwelling Holy Spirit? And I know I haven't totally answered that question, but I'm going to answer, try to answer the next couple weeks. I'm going to try to help you know uh, how to respond to the indwelling Holy Spirit. I'm trying to help you know how to feel the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm going to try to give you clues how you can tell if the Spirit is truly working in your life. And in the next few weeks, we'll talk with energy and excitement about the Holy Spirit. Gifts, how to receive Him, grieving the Spirit, quenching the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Did I forget something? We'll probably get to it anyhow. Because this body has to be a significant place where the Spirit of God reigns supreme. And some people go down to Culver's for lunch, and some people go over to the taco place and for lunch, and some people go everywhere. Wherever we go, there's got to be a spirit presence there. Nita and I go to the Met a couple of days. She goes every day, and I go when I get there. We go over to the Met to exercise. 
they have a great group of women over there. And she takes her spirit in that group, and she's impacting them. And so does other people here, I know that. Filled with energy and excitement. Join us, please, next couple weeks. This is a tough uh, topic because everybody has their own idea. Well, my caution to you is get over it. Let's study the Word of God together and see what God's Word says. Amen? I would like to ask that ex wonderful, exciting worship team to come back.